We want to welcome all those by way of television and Facebook and other means of communication. A real privilege and an honor. We're um, celebrating the retirement of a great, great man, woman of God. Behind every man is a great woman. Sometimes referred to as Susanna Wesley, but today addresses Diane Gable. Um, before I forget, the flowers in the altar are in honor of Diane because I don't think there's been a ministry that we've met where her husband, Wes, has not brought up Diane's name. And Marion Gable, the mother of Wes Gable, almost felt like Diane walked on water. She, she spoke of her daughter-in-law and her children, her son, and, and I believe that Marion, we remember Marion, I've got a picture on my camera where she celebrated her 104th birthday, 104th birthday, and I tried to call her on many of her birthdays, and she worshiped with us. She, in fact, worshiped at a number of churches, but she chose to settle at all of it, United Methodist, and she became kind of my, my chaplain, my assistant at Lee Square and Copperfield and other means of places that where we had Bible studies and outreach. So we're honoring the Gable family, and it's great to have uh, other members. And Wes, would you like to um, introduce yourself and your wife, your, your sister and brother, by way of television? Let's get a close-up shot um, for Comcast. Such a humble guy, you know. Sunday school, Bible school. You know, it's kind of an interesting history there. When Wes's father died, he agreed to take, you know, the, the services for, I think, a couple of weeks, maybe 14 days or so, covered for her father, which turned into 15 years. 15 years. Worse than that. You tell me. Marie, you went up. Yes, wow. And it's great to have um, Char with us this morning with, with Pastor George Groves and Char Groves and 
Doc, Dr. Mike Thompson, his brother is also a, a doctor, um, and his, his father was a Lutheran minister, Lutheran minister. And we're going to have him sharing in the future about, you know, the gamut of, you know, pro-choice and pro-life, because there's not really, you know, pro-choice. It doesn't give the baby any form of choice. It's pro-death or pro-life. And he'll be sharing in the future. But again, we want to welcome all those that are joining us by way of television, and radio, and YouTube today. And our opening hymn is honor of the birthday of Marie. Marie Wade, just a real prayer warrior, and as Marie had shared, just a real colleague of, of Marion, Marion Gable. So let us stand our opening hymn, Come We That Love the Lord, purple number 732. Purple number 732, please. If you'd like to join my wife this morning in praise and singing, many of our devoted praise team people are on vacation and out of town. I'm so grateful for, for Robin and Chris. And if you want to make a joyful noise to the Lord, you just grab, come up and grab a mic. But let us turn now to our opening hymn. be seated. Let us continue in worship as we turn to our prayer hymn, America the Beautiful, in honor of the birthday of my um, beloved wife of nearly 47, 46 years, 46 years. Purple, purple hymnals number 696, please.
Let us go to prayer. Father, we are blessed to have so much talent in our congregation. As I mentioned before, we are small in numbers, but great in quality. We thank you for the tremendous legacy that's represented. We thank you for the presence of Reverend George Groves and Char Groves. We thank you for your continual hand of healing upon Char that enabled her to be with us today. And we thank you for their, their family and their legacy and their faithfulness. And United Methodist Church in Wisconsin, we thank you that they've retired now to, to Minnesota. We thank you, Father, as we honor Dr. Wes Gable and, and Diane. We thank you for their faithfulness in ministry, and we thank you for the depth of their commitment to Christ and the church, for Marion and Reverend Gable. And, we thank you, Father, for the faith of our mothers and our fathers. We thank you for Dr. Mike Thompson and his father's faithfulness. And we thank you for the graciousness of the depth of wisdom that you've granted these men and women. And Lord, I, I believe that the major reason that our nation has grown strong and persevered through two centuries, 246 years as we near our 250th anniversary. We persevered through two centuries of bitter wars and conflicts, many of which we have, have torn other nations asunder. It's because of our reliance on the belief of God, of our Father, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and in particularly our founding fathers and mothers and the religious nature and the commitment to Christ. Our military leaders and clergy men and women alike sought guidance, sought power, sought wisdom from God, Jesus Christ. And when the going got tough, it was not uncommon for our leaders to seek help and, and strength on their knees, like former presidents George Washington and John Quincy Adams and Abraham Lincoln and Thomas Jefferson did. It's recorded. God was the only source that could give them the will and the perseverance to pull through. We need that same perseverance today. Our nation has been a melting pot. And because of this, it has always been tolerant of other cultures and methods of, of worship without submitting to their influence. We took God's commandment seriously. As Alexander Hamilton expressed in 1787, for my own part, I sincerely esteem the American system of government, a system, a system with which, which without the finger of God never could have been agreed upon by, by such a diversity of interests. Then in 1681, William Penn recognized the importance of the Almighty God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit as the first and foremost leader of our nation when he stated that if you are not governed by God, you will be ruled by tyrants. The last statement is filled with piercing knives of truth. America is being infiltrated and consumed by 
tyrants appearing as wolves in sheep's clothing. To name a few, the American, Liberal, American Civil Liberties Union was responsible for removing prayer from schools. People for the American Way sought to remove discussion of spiritual truths from the public arena. Abortionists who advocate abortion up to the time of birth. And as of June 2020, abortions worldwide were nearly 20 million, which comes down to 125,000 lives a day. The drug cartels who are assisting in the availability of dangerous drugs in 2020, 92,000 persons died in the United States from drug involved overdoses. And the violence and the gangs, every year there are nearly 50,000 who die from gun violence with over half being suicides. We're still reeling from the needless and tragic school shooting in Texas. And every year in the United States, there are nearly 8,000 children that are shot. Definitely the enemy is after our children and our future in our culture. Could other modern day tyrants be creators of sexual exploitation movies, videos and explicit television programs that are feeding the minds of millions of children and adults? Is transmitting the message that premarital sex and divorce and homosexuality and alcoholism and suicide and all kinds of confusion and pornography and rebellion and gender confusion is now accepted as a part of the American culture. And as we sing these songs of a blessed and a peaceful time, we, we ask, Lord, that you give us discernment and teach us to pray along the lines of, that you taught your early disciples saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. May God bless our time of prayer and as we move into our scripture our scripture reading is taken from 2 Corinthians chapter 6:17 and Mike is going to be it's gone today so Robin agreed to um, fill in for Mike 2 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 17 may God bless the reading and hearing of his word today 2 Corinthians chapter 6 17. Good morning, brothers and sisters. Please go with me real quick. While you're looking for the scripture, Robert, I'm going to just share 2 Corinthians chapter 6, 17. I got it. Okay. 2 Corinthians number 17 says, I will live in them and move among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. What this is talking about right here 
is talking about our brothers and sisters in the messianic faith. This is messianic, saying that he will be our God, Adonai Elohim, which is our God with us, Yahweh. And it says, therefore come out from them and they will separate from them, says the Lord. He's talking about the separation of the, he's talking about he is separate from the religions and the Pharisees and religions and traditions because religion can't save you, only Christ can. And then right here it comes, talks about and touching nothing unclean. In the Messianic Jewish culture, things that are unclean are pork, shellfish, anything that has hoofs in it. So like some birds is unclean. In fact, there's even studies out there about pork, when people eat pork, of why people get sick from it, because it goes back into the scripture as being unclean meat. And then right here it says, and then I will welcome you. When we cleanse ourselves, we also cleanse ourselves, not of the uncleanness, but also we need to cleanse ourselves from sin. And one thing I wanna tie into this is, Tomorrow is our country's Independence Day. My question to you is, what, does, what, what comes to mind about freedom? Anybody? Freedom, audience participation? What comes to mind? Some people say freedom to worship. Some people say freedom to do what I want. But true freedom comes from the Lord, Adonai. Freedom comes from the scriptures. What sets us, going on is we need to be free from sin. We need to separate ourselves from the world's view of freedom. This whole thing going on with our state, with my body, my choice, you know what? It's not your body. It's the body God gave you. That, ba that baby that's inside of you, it's not your choice. It's the baby, it's a baby, it's another life. We find people for killing bald eagles. We find people for killing sea turtles. But when it comes to human life, we don't care. And I will tell you, as a country and as a nation, I am appalled at all the stuff that I am seeing in my generation. And I will tell you, Christ is coming back soon, sooner than what we think he is. And we, as a church, we need to be ready we need to repent, and this nation, I'm, I'm speaking to you, Mark Zuckerberg, I'm speaking to you, you fact checkers on Facebook and Twitter, I'm speaking to you. You guys need to repent, you guys need to read scripture, you guys need to quit censoring truth, because in scripture, truth always prevails, and also, Everything we're seeing going on, what's gonna happen is, the, I believe the next big thing is gonna happen is the rapture of the church. Just take a look around you. Look what's going on with our country as a whole. We are worse than Sodom and Gomorrah. I'm sorry to say that, but we are. We are basically giving them a run for their money, and we need to repent and come back to God. Our founding fathers did not want our country to be this way. Our founding fathers dedicated this country to God. Our U.S. Constitution is based on the word of God. 
not based on the word of man, but the word of God. And we as a nation, we either need to repent or we will lose this country because freedom is one, in our country, is one generation away from losing it. And I'll leave it at that. Amen. Thank you, Robin. Robin doesn't cut any corners. She's just right, right straight. I uh, thank God that she just recently successful uh, was successful in getting through the course of study by the United Methodist Church. That was a miracle in itself in her conservative heart. And I want to emphasize again that, that scripture she alluded to, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, 17, that therefore come out from them and be separate from them, says the Lord, and touch nothing unclean that I will welcome you. God bless the reading and the hearing of his word. We always thank those who comment. I used to have a number of district superintendents listen to our services by way of television and that and they um, would, would send certain com comments in and, and it always happens that you get more liberals or complaints sometimes than conservatives. I grew up in an area era in rural Eagle Bend, Minnesota and I grew up in an Evangelical United Brethren Church and I found Christ at probably a very early age. I think I was probably just six or seven years old. So I've been serving Christ for the last 60 years. And, and I often had such a passion and desire that I almost spent as much time in the, the um, Assemblies of God Church and the Lutheran Church in, in um, Eagle Bend as I did the United Methodist Church. I tried to work a, a paper route in at the same time. so. I, would get up about three in the morning and deliver papers and I always had a hard time going back to sleep so I felt that it was important to go and worship the Lord and I would go and attend a number of churches and I could see the change that was happening in the United Methodist Church even some 50 or 60 years ago I it was a change that I didn't really like they grew more liberal as Many of the churches, the Lutheran Church and the Assemblies of God Church, were always very conservative, but I developed kind of a burden for the United Methodist Church, and I felt like I could be a, a missionary in the Methodist Church. And the Methodist Church has always taken good care of me. They've always, churches that were almost dying, but I brought the gospel in, and, and they, they grew. And Bertha Hewitt writes down on Asbury United Methodist at the time. They were a big fall of staples, you know, and, and we always talked about kind of building, you know. But I noticed even at the annual conferences that there was an increase almost in Mark's theology and I, I, ideology. And I, I noticed that particularly when I went to the university and I was pre-med. I, I took a um, number of classes was necessary for necessarily pre-med. But then during the Jesus movement, I rededicated my life to Christ and I developed the, the nickname um, the glory boy through seminary I went to a very liberal seminary United Theological Seminary and I was I considered a real honor and I, I know at the time they probably didn't look at it as an honorable name the glory boy I came out of the Jesus movement 
The things that I'm going to share with you this morning were just getting, getting taken out of prison by Facebook. We might just a few hours ago, and I'm sure they're monitoring what I'm going to say. I'll probably go back. They'll probably take me off of their Facebook. You'll have to go by way of radio or television to catch the messages. But this is kind of Randy Tabor's interpretation, and I'm kind of sensing that you're, you're going to agree, too, that if you understand Marxism and fascism and all the other isms, socialism, I believe that Marxist ideology and practice are, are coming to Minnesota, have been here in our schools. And you know what they're being disguised as? They're being disguised as a new teacher licensing rules. New teacher licensing rules. The Minnesota Teachers Association the licensing board is called the Professional, the Professional Educators Licensing and Standards Board, or PELSA, P-E-L-S-B. And each of the board members was appointed by, by what I call the governor of dance. He kind of dances around, and I was very supportive of him because he was former military, and I'm former military, but whether you call him dance, dance around, or waltz, waltz, waltzes around, is fast tracking new teacher licensing requirements. This is kind of true, I'm sure, that West would be in agreement, and George, too, and other Methodist ministers, that if for some reason you were very conservative, you had to jump through a lot more hoops than some of the liberal clergy had to jump through. Being conservative, you had to really be careful to dot your I's and cross your T's. And these new standards will embed basic principles of Marxist principles and practices such as critical race, critical race. Now, if you don't know anything about critical race, you should be studying it or you'll be hearing a lot about it in the fake news stations that are out there today. And the fluid, the very fluid sexual identities and, and gender politics into all our Minnesota schools. It's the, the he's and the she's and people don't want to be addressed by their names anymore or their, their birth sexuality. It's just the I's and the they's and the these, the hymns. Standard um, Marxist practices and dogma divide people into opposing groups. You go back to Karl Marx and he had two groups. And he developed this among his students and among his teachers. They must view themselves not as individuals. You don't view people as individuals, but, at, but members of a group, members of a group. You're either in the oppressor, the oppressor groups, or the oppressed group. There's two groups, oppressed or oppressor. And the oppressed groups must be liberated from the exploitation of the oppressors. When formally adopted, this, this, these new requirements must be met to become, uh, to remain in your licensing as a licensed teacher in the state of Minnesota, including teachings in early childhood family development. Now, I was part of that core group that 
um, proposed that early childhood um, back by when the Blandin Institute initiated this program in Grand Rapids some nearly 50 years ago, including teaching and early childhood family education, ECF, ECFE, early childhood family education, from prenatal on, and adult basic education. The, the rule draft, I can give you some of these numbers. I, it goes over my head. I didn't remember the numbers until I researched it. The, the rule draft, RD4615, which is basically key language that's being used. You, you understand how definitions and languages are, are changing. Since non-public non -public schools generally hire licensed teachers, even church-related schools, these standards will apply to them as well. That's why my children are educating their children at home, home learning. Here are some of the new licensing standards. It, it seems so, so way out, but many of them we we're seeing, and many of them are being proposed, there are new licensing standards. We have the, and that was one of the reasons Robin Childcare in our basement left, because Mark, our teachers, had to deal with so much paperwork and so much red tape by the government. We have the Robin Childcare commentary on the meaning and the definition, the significance of these the teachers that even so-called religious teachers must help students, help their students develop social identities based upon the social grouping. Either you're among the oppressed or the oppressors. Group identities will usurp. Group identities are always elevated above individual identities. And this is this new word that's called intersectionality. Intersectionality, and they incorporate social and emotional learning, the SEL, into classes. And the SEL seeks to transform the, the values and the attitudes and the beliefs of students and achieve full compliance with words that you're familiar with, equity and, and gender, gender ideology. And understand this. Systemic, the systemic trauma, including racism and the micro and the macro aggression. Trauma here is being presumed to have been inflicted upon victims by the oppressor classes. And guess who would probably be designated the oppressors? We are the oppressors. Be inclusive. You know, some of us still stumble over the word inclusiveness, but be inclusive to re respect and to reflect the so-called diversity of cultures. Teachers, teachers will have to affirm homosexuality, affirm sexuality, transgenderism, sexual identity, gender. Gender as a choice is not biology anymore. And the absence of moral standards for sexual practices which will set the stage for the normalization of pedophilia, taking to the extreme, fully, fully affirming 
and incorporating identity politics into the school, including race and gender, gender identity and sexual orientation, religious beliefs, economic status, ethnicity, focus on implicit bias and system, systemic racism, including white privilege. We are privileged because we are white. We are where we are because we are of a certain color. Prioritizing materials from, from traditionally, traditionally marginalized voices that often have a diverse perspective on race and culture, language and gender, sexual identity and religion, nationality, migrant and refugee status, and all these other identities traditionally silenced or omitted from the, the curriculum. Identity politics will drive the curriculum content. Teaching from materials that empower learners to be agents of social change and promote equity. I developed a major in, at the university. It was called human relations. And it used certain dogmas and certain statements about social change and, and equity. Equity means the required equal outcomes, equal outcomes, not equal opportunity. Karl Marx said it this way, from each, from each required equal outcomes, not equal opportunity. Marx said it this way, from each according to his ability, to each according to his needs. Training students in social activism through service learning, connecting students with local and global political activists. Now, understanding that the Minnesota laws were created, it, it's, it's taken for granted that Minnesota laws were created to oppress by race or class or gender or sexual orientation or language or nationality. This was the, the Marxist interpretation of, of history through presumed identity group power. Understanding white supremacy and how racism operates institutionally, the, the Marxist assumption that our institutions are fundamentally racist and flawed. Understand ethnocentrism and Eurocentralism as undermining equity. These terms form the core of our American culture and need to be uprooted in our history and what we learn to be, to be changed in religious and political heritage and, and are presented as racist and oppressive. Young people will be stripped of their history and instead be told their heritage is oppressively racist racist white and heteronormative. Every, every CRT and gender fluid, gender fluid buzzword into the standards and they are required to be in, incorporated into the institution of instruction. The Italian Marxist Antonio Graminski said that people, people the past generation, P 
people are trapped in their prison house of, of language because language determines how people think. He emphasized that we must change the language of the culture in order to usher in the Marxist revolution. In summary, the, the new licensing standards will force every Minnesota teacher, Minnesota teacher and school to become Marxist revolution indoctrination centers. It's time that the public is informed, informed about what is going on. What are we preparing ourselves? What do we want? Americans, as Americans. There was a new survey released just here a few days ago from the Gallup, which revealed that a record low number of Americans report a belief in God. The polling firm Gallup found that, that only 81% of Americans say they believe in God, which is the lowest, among, lowest amount since the group started asking the question back in 1944. This is down six points from the, from the 2013 and 17 survey when 87% of Americans said they believe in God. Still a vast amount of Americans you can tell believe in God, whether that means they believe a higher power that hears their prayers and can intervene or not, Yelp says. Scripture reminds us that in the book of James that even Satan himself believes in God. The organization also found differences in demographics between those who believe in God and those who do not believe in God. The survey found that liberals, liberals and Democrats, and I was a part of the Democratic Party through Jimmy Carter. You know, when you grew up in the farm, you were part of the farm labor, DFL, and then I didn't leave the DFL committee. The DFL committee left me when they chose to particularly emphasize pro-death over pro-life. And the organization also found differences in demographics between those who believe in God and those who do not. The survey found that liberals and Democrats saw the biggest drop in belief in God, looking at the difference from 2022 20, to the average from 2013 and 2017. There was a 10-point drop for the liberals and the Democrats. And for conservatives and those who are married, Gallup found essentially no change in the views of God. And according to the new poll, only 72% of Democrats believe in God compared to 92% of the Republicans. While 94% of conservatives believe in God, only 60% of liberals and 68% of young people. And those, those who were married as well as those without, without college degrees were more likely to believe in God than those who were not married or with, with college. Father, this morning, as we contemplate the times that we're, we're living in, they are truly overwhelming times. They require of us a tremendous amount of discernment. I grew up in a time where these issues were brought up, but, but not emphasized as, as they are today. And as we um, look for a happy Independence Day, we also 
realize that at times we need to come out from among them and we need to be separate. We need to ask ourselves serious questions about the United Methodist Church and other churches for what they stand for and what they stand up against. You know, Lord, on this 4th of July Sunday, we celebrate Independence Day in our nation. You gave us the truth to set us free and sent Jesus to die for our salvation. And we thank you for the precious freedom that we have in our nation today. We know this country's not perfect, but we honor our nation, the USA. We thank you, O Lord, for the founding fathers and mothers who for freedom took a brave stand. Many placed their very lives in peril to start a free country in a new land. We thank you for the brave soldiers who gave their lives to keep us free. They gave their ultimate sacrifice for freedom for America, like us, Americans like us. And as we shoot fireworks and celebrate with patriotic concerts and parades, we thank you for all your blessings and your great love that never fades. And as we gather our loved ones for picnics and barbecues and fun, we want to thank you for everything, especially for sending your son for the deep roots. And we pray for his peace. We pray for those who are joining us by way of television, and radio, and Facebook. There are four steps to peace with God. Number one, God's purpose is, is peace and life, that God loves us and wants us to experience peace and eternal life. The Bible says, for God so loved the world, they gave his only one and only son that whoever believes in trust and adheres or should not perish but have eternal life. And what keeps us from having the life God planned for us? Step number two is the, the problem, our separation from God. God created us in the image. He gave us a, a will and, and the freedom of choice. We choose to obey him and go our own way that separates us from God. For the Bible says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, Romans chapter 3, 23. People have tried to bridge this gap between themselves and God. Isaiah 59, 2 says, But your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. No bridge reaches God except one. Step number three is God's bridge, the cross. Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose from the dead. He, he paid the penalty for our sin and bridge the gap between us and God. And the Bible says, for there is one God and there's one mediator between God and humankind. And that man, Christ Jesus, 1 Timothy chapter 2, 5. God has provided the only way back to him. We must make a choice. And step four is our response. Our response to receive Christ. We must trust and rely on Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. The Bible says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, Romans 10, 9. And I ask you today in closing, which side are you on, the side with Christ or without him? And here is how we can accept Christ into our lives. We need to admit our need. We need to admit that we are sinners. Then we need to be willing to turn from our sin to repent. We need to believe that Jesus Christ died for us on the cross and rose from the grave. And through prayer, invite Jesus Christ to control our life through the Holy Spirit.
receive him as Lord and Savior. As we close, would you pray this prayer with me? With every head bowed and every eye closed, and those by way of television and radio repeat this prayer. Dear Jesus, I thank you that you love me. I am a sinner, saved by your grace. Come into my heart and life. Be my Savior. Be my Lord. Empower me by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' precious name, amen. As the ushers wait upon you this morning for your tithes and offerings, if you'd be so kind to turn in the offertory prayer, and would you pray this prayer with me? Mighty God, we have read of the prophets of old and how your power was often made known to them in small gestures or in still small voice. We bring our gift to you this day, confessing that we have often missed or dismissed your miracles because they did not present themselves in dramatic, startling events or grand transformations. Give us eyes that are constantly on the lookout for the small and subtle ways you make your power and presence. Love and mercy known to us. In the name of Christ we pray, amen. As we wait upon you, be thou my vision, purple number 451, the honor of the birthdays of Dolores Schultz and the retirement of Dr. Wes and Gable and Diane Gable. Be thou my vision. And we need that, that vision in retirement. Pay particular attention to these words. Purple hymnals number 451, Be Thou My Vision.
you stand, please? George, would you like to have a few words, Reverend Groves? Thank you. You may be seated. We'll get that as a belated in the bulletin. George, you want to come and use the pulpit? We, are we covering the pulpit with a video? Yeah. Okay. In the short time that I've been here, there are about five things, at least five things, that um, have stood out in my mind about you, Wesley. And first is that you're a, a man of prayer. Uh, for those of you who don't know about our group, our United Methodist pastors are, well, there's less than a dozen of us, but when we get together, we're, we're honest about our struggles in our families, in our ministries, and we pray for each other at the close of each of those monthly meetings. On one occasion, the pastors laid their hands on me, and Wes led in fervent prayer. I felt the spirit of the living God fall fresh on me as Wes and the other pastors prayed for me. What a heartwarming, encouraging blessing that was. How many of you have ever had someone lay their hands on you and pray for you? It's a special thing that happens. Another prayer ministry that Wes enjoyed as pastor was moving from table to table in his fellowship hall and listening to people and praying for them or in the case of the last few years with the COVID and stuff, Wes could be found out in the parking lot moving from car to car, people rolling down their windows and Wes asking, how can I pray for you? Furthermore, Wes did not hesitate to share his own personal concerns and uh, his family needs in prayer. And at one point he shared with us what he, what he had learned about spiritual warfare, that although we have the authority of Jesus to rebuke and bind the enemy and to free those bound by the enemy, the person being bound by the enemy must agree or nothing happens. So Wes is a man of prayer. <clears throat> I found Wes to be a man of of uh, innovative perseverance. It would have been easier when COVID-19 started for Wesley to, to just re 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 <laughs> what are you doing? Re retiring? <laughs> At that point, it would be a whole lot easier than preaching to an empty church. That's, it's really difficult for a pastor to preach to an empty church. But he persevered with God's help and must have relied on God to show him how to be innovative and creative to meet the needs of his people that God had entrusted to his spiritual care. So Wes is a man of innovative perseverance. Third, 
I found Wesley to be a man of courage. Some months ago, when the bishop and the cabinet were poised to send out a letter that was going to show utter disregard for the Bible and the United Methodist Book of Discipline, what it teaches about human sexuality, Wes found out about the letter and sent a letter to them, respectfully inviting them to consider the harmful implications of what they were about to affirm. I don't know if the letter ever got sent out. Did that letter ever come? It's all your fault, Wes. You stopped them in their tracks because what you were saying was true. And it must have taken a lot of courage for you to respectfully challenge those leaders. I, I would have given up on them. I would have just walked out. I said, forget those guys. But you didn't. And I thought you were very respectful in the way that you dealt with your peers, your leaders. Fourth, I found you to be a man who um, had faith in God to supply whatever was needed to accomplish his will. Uh, when the church you came to was in bad shape financially, I imagine you prayed about it. And God provided in a way that nobody would have expected. When Wes believed that God wanted him to offer the Alpha course a year or two ago in his church, he stepped out in faith and planned for it, not knowing if anybody would step up as leaders and table leaders or even come. But I think they probably did. Step of faith. And fifth, Wes is a wise man who has learned by experience the importance of relationship priorities. At one of our meetings, one of our pastors was very discouraged with his relationship with his wife. After carefully listening to his story, Wes offered him three brief keys to revitalizing his marriage. Now, if I don't get these right, Wes, you, you step up to the plate quick. One was like, I think they were like this. First of all, he said you need to worship together. Second, give her the priority time that she needs. And Diane, he told us that sometimes I've, for too many years, I've thrown Diane under the bus. He confessed that. And third, get involved in a couples group. Did I get those right, kind of? All right, you said that stuff. And I thought it was really good. I wrote it down and I stuck it in my Bible and I couldn't find it. So I had to think it up through it. Well, anyway, <clears throat> I know that from what Wes has told us that he has loved and enjoyed what he's done as a pastor over the years. And he still has the energy and motivation to serve God in any way that God directs. But he has told us that the main reason he's retiring is so he can give his wife, Diane, the priority she deserves as his wife. In this chapter of his life, he will only be accepting responsibilities in consultation with Diane. Now, I'm not sure how you felt last Monday, Wesley, as, as you gave your last message as a pastor of the Osseo United Methodist Church. But here's what John Piper was said to have remarked in his, after his last message as the pastor of Bethlehem Baptist Church downtown. 
He says, as I woke up this Monday morning for the first time in 33 years without the official mantle as pastor, the only tears that came to my mind and to my eyes were tears of thankfulness. It is finished. That chapter of his life was finished. And I suspect that you have mixed feelings as you enter this chapter of your life, Wes. From my own experience, I know that God is not finished with me yet. And I suspect that God is not finished with you. That there are many more assignments that he has, he has for you to draw people to himself. In my case, I ended up with 42 years of ministry with congregations that were primarily white and rural. And now I live in an apartment where down at the end of the hall I've got Somali people who are Islamists. I've got an angel that's a godly Christian woman. I've got a neighbor that's a backslidden Lutheran. I've got a neighbor across the hall who is a Hindu. I've got another neighbor across the hall who is a Jew, a non-practicing Jew. And God's probably got a great sense of humor saying, I've got some more work for you to do. I never dreamed that that would be the way my retirement was. But my assignments come from God every day and uh, not from a bishop or a district superintendent. So I expect that, like me, you may also be looking forward to the day when you will meet the Lord face to face and hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. May God continue to bless you and Diane and your ministry and your kids as you continue on in this next chapter of your life. Amen. Amen. Boy, I'm sure glad I didn't have to follow that. Oh, glory. Praise the Lord. Um, Diane and Wes, would you come forward? And let's, let's lay hands. Anybody that wants to come and just lay hands on, on Wes and Diane as we close in prayer, those who would like to lay hands on Wes and Diane. And Chris, would you get the, the flower on the altar? That's, that's for Diane. And uh, Diane says that she's going to put Wes to work at Menards. So this hat is going to Wes, Menard's hat. But we hope that you put this, this little lapel pin that says Warrior for Christ because you'll never cease not to be a warrior for Christ. And Diane, when he comes back, you can use this disinfectant. You know, it's contaminated. So let's, um, I'm going to have a word of prayer from the pulpit for television and you can join in. Father God, we just lay our hands upon Diana West. We thank you for the promising words that, that Reverend George Groves shared. It's just so true, so true. May we all find those, that reception in heaven. Well done, thou faithful and true servant. And Father, we just thank you that we know that Wes's mother and father is just rejoicing in heaven over his son and and sons and the family that's serving Christ. Continue to lay your hand of anointing. Will God give 
this couple, clean hands and clean words and clean thoughts and deeds. Help them to stand for the hard right against the easy wrong. Save them from habits that harm. Teach them to work as hard and play as fair and nice side loans of all the words of. Forgive them when they are unkind and help them forgive those who are unkind to them. Keep them ready to help others at some cost to themselves and send his chances to grow in Christ and bless multitudes as they have been blessing to multitudes in the past. We pray the grace and the peace and the providence of God would be upon them. In Jesus' name, amen. Wes, did you have any thoughts you wanted to share? Amen. Well, let's go party. And Chris, you want to take us out? And we're going to... Wes.